I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the Power Platform Show. If you want to be a supporter of the show, please go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash enter365guy. It's a great show today. Once again, talking about UI and UX uh, and the world of the Power Platform. Sit back and enjoy. Today's guest is from California in the United States. He is a developer and consultant at Swift Fox Consulting. You can follow him on Twitter at Yusuf B. Sharif and visit his blog at swiftfox.io to learn more about this brilliant technology, Power Apps, uh, Power Platform, that type of thing. Welcome to the show, Yusuf. Thank you. I'm so excited. I've been binge listening to your podcast and I'm in love with it. Awesome. Well, I, I love the subject that we're going to discuss today, and I'm really keen to get your input and and insights and experience uh, and share it with the wider community, right? So so everybody can learn. But before we jump there, I always like to get to know the folks that come on the show. And so tell us a bit about uh, family, uh, food, and uh, and fun. So I live in Laguna Beach, California, which mm-hmm. is it's. It has to be my favorite city I've ever lived in. It's right on the beach. So I, you know, not to sound like I'm bragging, but I do see the ocean right now. And is it the Pacific Ocean? Yep. And it's right, like literally, you know, walking distance to the beach. And um, it feels like a brag, but, I, you know, there's some cons, mm-hmm. you know, I live in yeah. a small space uh, to live in this area, but it was just one of these things. Uh, my partner and I decided to move here because we both just we needed peace and calm and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I've lived in cities, I've worked out of New York, I've been all over the place. And this was like, this is our calming location. And so uh, we've lived here now for four or five years and we both have such chaotic schedules, me with consulting and constantly busying and him, uh, he's a, a an event planner. So he does these mm-hmm. huge, massive weddings. Um, you know, crazy events all the time, it feels like. And so this was really just our like calming location to live in. And for fun, like ironically, I used to surf throughout my life. And Uh since I've been here, I've not surfed. No way. I I think, I don't know what it is. Every year you get a little older, you get Uh a little more scared of things. At least I do. Uh And I, I have now an irrational fear of the ocean I don't know how I've surfed for, you know, 27 years or whatever. And now the last four years or so, I'm like freaked out about the ocean, but I still get close enough. And um, I feel like for fun, we're just always having family over, having friends Mm -hmm. over, just doing pool days, making margaritas and tacos. We love cooking. We're huge into cooking. We're huge into 
making, you know, drinks and just hosting family and friends all the time. I feel mm-hmm. like that's like my, uh, that's my happy reward to myself. Like after you work so hard, what makes me happiest is like having family and friends over mm-hmm. and being mm-hmm. able to have like those awesome moments and, you know, get to have a glass of wine overlooking the sunset. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Here's the crazy thing. I'm on the other side of that ocean. So I look out over the Pacific Ocean as well. Um, but it's the other side of it. So if the world was flat, um, perhaps... We would be looking work. at each other. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'll get my binoculars out. <laughs> totally, totally. Now, you mentioned uh, drink. And, like, I'm a big cocktail fan. In fact, my wife is... Uh, we're just going through the design phase of a full in-house bar being built and... If I was to classify what type of bar, it's, I'm not a big beer drinker, although I do, you know, like it beer, but it's it's a full-on cocktail bar that uh, I'm building. So tell me, what's your go-to cocktail? Okay, so I love that because uh, we are looking at places and there's a place we're eyeing right now that mm-hmm. has a huge built-in bar that the owners have put. And so I nice. love that you're doing that. But my go-to cocktail is kind of um, doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. I love coming up with margarita recipes and it doesn't make nice. sense because I don't really drink tequila. I get like heartburn from like the is citrus right? and everything, wow. but it's my favorite thing to make. Yeah. I think it's the most fun thing to make. So um, that's usually when I'm trying to be, do something cool. I'll make some kind of new invention for margarita or just a really fresh margarita. I found like, yeah having a pitcher of lemons and limes and soaking tequila for like five days before you have people wow, over I really like makes this. a huge difference in taste, especially yeah. anything with cucumbers. So mm-hmm. I'm probably more of a, a vodka drinker and I will definitely like always enjoy soaking it into cucumbers and making like nice. a nice lemon cucumber kind of mm. cocktail, which also works with tequila. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because tequila, my understanding is the only alcohol that is an upper where most, you know, there are depressants in most other alcohols. Um, but yeah, my understanding is that tequila is an upper, like it, it, it takes you there. Yeah. And I don't know what it's in it. Cause um, we went to tequila, Mexico two years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So my partner's from Mexico. Uh, oh, he, awesome. His family's from 30 minutes from tequila and mm-hmm. we went there and even just tasting the tequila from there, which is crazy because I've done wine mm-hmm. tasting and you think, well, it's a lot of wine to be drinking one day. Yeah, they yeah. do that with tequila, which is outrageous because wow. you're just like, <laughs> um, yeah. we've probably had like six shots of tequila at this point. Like who does this, you know, but yeah. um, it tastes is so it's crazy how much more fresh and, re- yeah. and like smooth it is from right there. I mean, yeah. there every, every drive you go on, is nothing but agave plants everywhere. Mm. I've got to do that one day. It's amazing. Do you know, I did not realize, I did not know, this is the first time I heard that there's actually a place called tequila. So I'm a bit ignorant in that respect, but I did not realize that. I knew yeah. that, you know, most tequila comes from Mexico. I was totally familiar with that, but I didn't know, you know, just like, you know, you have a Bordeaux wine and it's from the Bordeaux region. I didn't realize that was the same with tequila. So many people don't know it. So people think like when I say we went to tequila in Mexico, they're like a city mm. Just build the tequila. They don't think it's an actual city. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I'm sure we could talk for hours on uh, tequila, but I really want to talk about uh, 
I want to talk about user interface design and and user experience design when it comes to app making um, on the Power Platform. So before we unpack that, tell us a bit about your journey into the Power Platform. Yeah, so I mean, and I'll try not to make it long-winded. Um, I started, first of all, I started in journalism and I realized mm -hmm. that's too slow paced for me. Granted, there's obviously a fast paced journalism, but it wasn't something I was like in love with. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to go to school for graphic design because at the time my uncle owned a design studio and I would sit there and practice, you know, using Photoshop and Illustrator mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I have, you know, my parents are, my dad's from Lebanon, my mom's from Mexico. And I think it's very that immigrant kind of mindset that mm -hmm. design is not a real job. Yep. It's yep. like, no, you have to do something else. You have to be yeah. a lawyer or a doctor. Those are your options. And mm -hmm. I just was never really good at school. I, I was not a book smart person. Um, so I kind of struggled between things, like trying to figure out what I can do. And uh, I ended up working at Quicksilver, the surf company. Mm -hmm. And oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I started doing um, a little production design. Mm -hmm. So I was able to take kind of everything I went to school for and find like, you know, an internship that kind of met a little bit of best of all. And mm -hmm. what I found out was that I was a very bossy person, not in a rude way, but like I, I wanted everything to be organized a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I was con constantly going everyone's design files and organizing them. And so I got into operations and business process management. And that's what I did for like 10 years. I've, I always want to take a problem and find an easier way to make that process work mm -hmm. and really solve everyone's, you know, pains and aches and all that. And it ended up bringing me to the point where I started getting into SharePoint, figuring mm -hmm. out what I can do with SharePoint, list management, and then Power Apps had just come out. And at the time mm -hmm. I was like, all right, this is still a little janky. I don't think I can do much with it, but I'm keeping my eye on it because it seems like it's growing pretty fast. Mm. And I started with um, following videos from Laura Rogers. Um, nice. She's like, you know, the big SharePoint power yeah. apps person. Mm -hmm. uh, Shane Young a little bit. I, mm -hmm. I think I geared towards Laura Rogers because she was in SharePoint still. So it was that kind mm -hmm. of perfect transition. Um, and I realized like, this is something that might be a great tool. I think what's so hard is that you, whenever you have a process you have to solve, you take a tool and you're now making workarounds to make the tool work for you, mm -hmm. or you're trying to change your process to fit it. And so I got into it because I needed that customization. I needed that freedom mm -hmm. to build something. And I can tell that Microsoft was really putting their dollar towards the power platform by making sure it will grow as a software. And so I doubled down on it. I quit my full-time job, which sounded like a stupid idea at the time. <laughs> and went full into consulting and just helping companies, you know, automate their processes. Uh, you know, before Power Automate, I was using Zapier, which is very similar. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, I was studying REST APIs left and right. I used to also dabble in front-end development. I mm -hmm. kind of tried everything because for me, I can't, I can't help a process if I don't understand what every person that plays a role in it. Mm -hmm does like i had to understand it so i mean i study analytics i met with data analytic analytics all the time like meeting with you know all these guys that created these huge power bi reports and tableau reports because i was like mm -hmm. i need to understand everything so i can come up with the best solution for a process so i've been everywhere 
<laughs> yeah. And so and so to to bring us right up to today, how how is that now influencing what the the type of things that you're doing today? So now I am building, you know, it feels like every week I'm jumping on a new power platform project, mm-hmm. whether it's a power app, a portal, uh, model driven or canvas apps or just power BI reports mm-hmm. or even customizing SharePoint for internet sites. Um, and I think what has really kind of driven everything that I've been doing is just the fact that I have a high emphasis on UX and UI design. Mm-hmm. And that's what draws customers to me because they're like, Hey, I love the way this looks. I love the idea behind it. This looks like super user-friendly. And I honestly just meant to like work a little bit. I didn't mean to get this busy. It just kind of kicked off in a crazy Mm -hmm. way, but I I think it really shows what's lacking in some power platform development because the fact that I was able to share some UX and UI tips and some of my app design and things like that Mm -hmm. showed how many people were drawn to it because they were like, our users need something super easy and super user-friendly to work with. And so that's kind of where I've been. I work with a range of customers from, you know, retail, real estate, Mm -hmm. creative design, agencies, marketing, construction, finance. It's even now healthcare is the last few I've been working with. Mm -hmm. There's just a huge range. And I think it's, you know, like I said, that emphasis on UX and UI design is so important because you can't sell your idea if it's not looking great. It's not showing to be user friendly. No one's going to want that, you know? Yeah. So tell me, tell me why, you you know, uh, the, the realm of app development is often of course associated with developers and sits in the area of developers. And oftentimes, um, the actual interface is not of primary uh, focus. More will be what is the data model? What's the data structure? How do we present that? We need to capture this bit of data. We need a field to do this. We need to upload that. We need to take a photo of something. And so it's very around the functionality. Why is design important in, in the app creation process? So I will say, I think with Power Platform, because it's a low code, no code solution, you get people who are trying to do all the roles where if this was a mm-hmm. traditional app development project, you would have UX designer, a UI designer, a front end developer, a back end developer, strategist. You would have mm-hmm. that package of people that are working on it. Because Power Platform is low code, no code, you have people who are trying to do it all themselves. And I yeah. think traditionally it's been IT. People, I, you know, people working mm-hmm, in IT mm-hmm. and exactly. they don't have that skill and there's something wrong on them. It's mm-hmm. just not a skill that they need in their role. So when you're now trying to take yeah. on a role of developing apps, a hundred percent, you're every hat, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're not going to be the best at everything and that's okay. I think that's where power platform falls short, not power platform, but people who are doing power platform projects yeah. is they have to still remember you need to collaborate with other people. It can't mm-hmm. just be one person. Even myself, I do feel like, yeah, I'm doing it all, but at the same time, I have to collaborate with people who know a little more about certain areas mm-hmm, I don't, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Especially when you get yeah. to complex situations like heavy data loads, 
I have to mm-hmm. tell myself like, okay, I think I know it all, but I sometimes have to <laughs> collaborate with someone who is way more intensely involved with using something like SQL Server, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me, how do you, and uh, I, I want to get your view on how you explain to people uh, user interface design as opposed to user experience design. Yeah. Um, and I know they're in the names, but I really just want to get your take on them. Yeah, you know, it's, um, first of all, I think what a lot of people don't realize is those are two separate people. So when you come to a larger company, if you think about something like the Uber app, the Mm -hmm. UI guy and the UX girl or guy, whoever, Mm -hmm. they're not the same person because there's there's totally different brain thinking. A user Mm -hmm. experience designer is thinking, all right, let me understand this user. Let me understand their struggles. Let me make smart thinking of the user's journey throughout the app process. How do I also get analytical about it by taking data Mm -hmm. from research, wherever I've come up with these interviews or anything like that, and come up with a process and a wireframe that makes sense for that user. The UI Mm -hmm. designer is thinking of layouts, designs, the thing we see, that front end thing we see that makes Mm -hmm. it pretty, that also, you know, factors in accessibility, contrast, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And so yeah. they're hundred percent, you know, two different roles and they, and they have different paths when they're jumping into a project. Yeah. So, so, so tell me if, if I was to look for the skills to add to my uh, practice and let's say I've got a practice with a lot of developers um uh you know they know data structure that type of thing and i really wanted to almost over index now on uh, on getting design nailed and user experience nailed what type of skills what type of qualifications uh should i be looking for i think it's diversity i think mm-hmm. the person that's always going to be able to step ahead is someone that's had the diversity of working on a range of projects. Um, mm-hmm. Someone that's had to wear multiple hats because you can't. So UX to me is like empathy towards the user, mm-hmm. but to be a good UX collaborator is to have empathy for everyone in that role. Yeah. So someone who's understands, you know, the data portion a little bit, someone that's dabbled in all these different things and worked with different types of companies. I think that is such a key. And then, you know, obviously you get into technical, like which tools do they use? Are they on the latest, you know, let's say if they're using Adobe XD, are they using Sketch? Are they using Illustrator? I think, Mm -hmm. of course, those all technical skills show up. But I always have found the people that have had that diverse range of work they've done always show up to be the best because they've, they've seen it all. I think it's too easy to get stuck working for a company for 10 years. And mm-hmm. only knowing that one lane and you have yeah. not even been into the other 20 lanes. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. When, when you think of, let's say you're, you're working on a, a client engagement, you take on a new project, step me through the elements of design that you think about in the context of uh, canvas apps. So when it comes to canvas apps, um, Anytime I do kind of trainings or if it's a conference or anything like that, I always say, just remember, just because it's low code, no code tools, 
You still mm-hmm. need to go through the full app development process. There's no yeah. corners to cut. Yes, they're a little mm-hmm. faster, but don't mm-hmm. cut them. And mm-hmm. it comes to user empathy. Who is this user that's coming in? Too often you get paired up with a customer's lead who is the IT person or maybe the yeah. higher up person who doesn't know what the day-to-day person comes up with. So mm-hmm. I right away, I figure out who everyone that will be touching this app who's in this process, who they are, what they mm-hmm. do, what their day-to-day is like. I, I'm i trying to empathize with the, the person who is running 15 minutes late in a panic, trying to mm-hmm. like hurry up and answer a thousand emails, has to also do like data entry, has to do customer-facing work that's spread thin. I try to think of that person. So I go through that mm-hmm. process of really understanding who's in this and what's important. When it comes to design, my rule is that someone with no experience in the job can just open an app Mm -hmm. and understand exactly what to do. I want it to be so dummy proof that -hmm. there's no, you don't need a tutorial. You don't need a wiki page with 20 pages of how to get through an app. Yeah. Uh, Elon Musk has a quote along those lines is that if I need a manual, you've, uh, you've designed it wrong. Uh-huh. Oh, I've heard that one. I, I wish yeah. I, I actually am like, he's like the kind of um, have an obsession with him right now because he's such a weird, interesting character. Totally, totally. I'm like so fascinated by the way he thinks that I'm like, what goes on in that head? You know? Yeah. He's definitely the Tony Stark, right? Of yeah, totally. <laughs> um, tell me about data representation. Like sometimes you have a phenomenal amount of data to represent in a iPhone screen. When you think about how you're going to represent data uh, via either menu systems and or uh, collections, etc., what do you think about? And, and how do you kind of drive to an outcome that you know is going to be, that fully empathizes, as you say, with the person that's going to use that, not just for once or twice, but maybe weeks, months, years within the organizations that they work in? Yeah, I always think, I always feel like what you're told, you know, again, by the person that you've been paired up with for the customer, Mm -hmm. they are like thinking to themselves, oh, no, you need, we're going to have like 80,000 rows of data. And I always find that is not the case. There's no one in the world that's like, I'm going to go through 80,000 records today. That doesn't happen. So I always think you need to drill down to someone who's on the fly making an update, inputting data, editing data. And I really try to drill down to making it as customizable and specific Mm -hmm. to that user as possible. So even if I'm doing a Canvas app based off of a SharePoint database, I'll add a SharePoint list that lets them customize what they view. So something like, Mm -hmm. I want to filter by this category and I want records for this specific department so they can save it and that can be on the fly, on start, data collection i think it's super important to add something like that because most of the time you're doing a data process or a workflow that is involving more than just one department yeah give me an example of where you've seen um uh ux ui front-end developers back-end developers you know strategists etc all coming together and working 
uh, harmoniously uh, in a build. Does anything jump to mind? Yeah, you know, um, I've actually, so I, I work with, um, as a vendor for Microsoft, mm-hmm. and that brings in, if anyone has worked with Microsoft, they know there's like hundreds of vendors, hundreds of partners. Yeah. And I think surprisingly it works really well because everyone knows that you just have to be so specific and you have to communicate very clearly. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's just, it's one of those simple things, right? We're always, we're always told you have to communicate clearly, but it's so true because the worst thing is that a UX designer is coming up with something that will not technically work with based on the database, but that mm-hmm. person who's in charge of the data and that technical side that is has great communication, they're mm-hmm. going to succeed the most. So I think it's yeah. communication. I think the tools you use as a UI designer, like Adobe XD, making mm-hmm. sure it is so well designed and packaged that mm-hmm. the person that is doing the backend or front end development. Now we're, that's getting more into like non-power apps, but like, yeah, yeah. I think it's all everyone's job is to document very clearly and communicate it as if you're talking to someone who's never done this role. I think that's yeah. what I always go back to, you know? Yeah, that's that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And that gives that's that's some interesting insight that you have there. Tell me about constraints in design. And once again, we're talking in context of the power platform. So and let's actually just focus on Canvas because uh, we won't talk about portals or, or model driven here. But how do you see that there, I say artificial constraints, but are there constraints that you would like to see go away in future dev cycles, you know, and what Microsoft release from a Canvas perspective? So from Canvas, actually out of everything, the power platform, I don't feel as constrained as people think they are. Mm-hmm. I think so many times people, I mean, I get these like Twitter, Twitter tweets like all the time. That's like, you can't make a, uh, a good UX or UI design and power apps. And I'm always just like, I think that's actually the most flexible. Yeah. If you look at anything else in the power platform, I think there's some stuff that can be improved as in you need a little more control of some small things. Small things go a long way. So think of like mm-hmm. hovering over a button. A lot of times you have a hover state and you control mm-hmm. in web development what it would do or software yeah. development. So I think those little things need to be updated in Canvas apps. I think if you're mm-hmm. gonna do Canvas apps, you have to make it so that the technical person with you know all this experience has the room to be 100% flexible. And then just have your defaults for those, you know, those people who are non-technical, first time, you know, power up developers that they can use templates. I think it's just like, you can't say this is low code, no code solution because mm-hmm. Canvas apps has such a range. There's some yeah, yeah. high code things you do in power apps mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there's some low code. So you really have to like, you have to uh, satisfy both ends of the spectrum to be yeah. honest. Model-driven apps, like I know, like we're specific Canvas apps, but model-driven apps, it's like mm-hmm, specific, mm-hmm. specific. So person is yeah. building them. So I think with Canvas apps, you have to keep in mind that you're going to have a first-time person who wants to do a no-code tool, and then you mm-hmm. have that complex person who knows what they're doing and needs flexibility for it all. Yeah. And so I think they really need to like have two different, you know, teams at Microsoft that are solving for those two different groups. Yeah. Have you had much to do with PCF? 
Yeah. So I do, you know, I'm the type that's like always trying to push the envelope, trying to find how I can break something and come out of the box and get more complex and get exactly what I need. So I do PCF. And what is hard too is I think that's what I'm saying is like the power platform, it feels like it's catered towards that low code, no code, no code person mm-hmm. when they very well know there's people who are trying to do complex things. Yeah. And PCF is like an example, like that's a very complex thing. So mm-hmm. you need to make the whole platform be able to be that complex. So I should be able to control things in Canvas apps just like I could with a PCF control. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a very interesting turn in power platform because you're going to start getting people who are really, you know, backend developers and mm-hmm. you're going to get some people who are UX designers who are now jumping mm-hmm. into this tool and they're going to tear it apart and we're going to see like really cool things come out. I think we just have the beginning of what's to come. I think we have a small group, small community of people who are doing great things and it's mm-hmm. only going to get crazier when all these high dev people start dabbling into power apps yeah agreed well that's all we've got time for it's been great talking to you i feel like i could go for uh you know another half hour hour with you but i always like to wrap up with a couple of quick fire questions are you ready i'm ready bring it on okay what mistake do you keep making over and over again Overcomplicating my power apps i like it what was the last time you cried sorry when was the last time you cried a dog's purpose the movie Truly, I haven't seen it. It's I'm a sucker for anything with animals. I could watch mm-hmm. a movie where something bad happens to people, but if mm-hmm. I watch a movie with something sad with a dog, I'm done. There you go. Good empathy, right? Yeah. Um, when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a designer. Nice. Yeah. That, I'm close. That's so cool. Yeah. You're close. You're fulfilling <laughs> it. It's so good. Yusuf, thank you so much for coming on the show. I had so much fun. I'm in love with your show. I think anyone that is a power platform developer, this is the show to listen to while you're working. It's so soothing. I think your guests are amazing. I think you have a great way of interacting with everybody. So I think everyone should watch this and listen or listen to this rather. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Business Applications MVP, Mark Smith, otherwise known as the NZ365 Guy. If there's a guest you'd like to see on the show, let me know who they are. LinkedIn is the best way to get a hold of me. If you'd like to be a supporter of the show, please go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash NZ365 Guy. Thanks again and see you next time.